So I don't believe, I don't think so. Most people, I'm not going to say anything new today. It might be new if you haven't heard it before, but for most people that have been around for a bit, it won't be anything new. Um, but it will be something uh, life-transforming and life-changing if we apply ourselves. So um, I want us to be thinking about being a disciple of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, or in other words, an apprentice of Jesus, not someone who goes to church. Right? Going to church is not truth. We don't go to church. We are the church. If we are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we are part of his church. And we've been looking at that over the last few weeks, looking at what is the church. It's the people of God. We make up the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the church. And we're here to be the church of Jesus. We're here to make the invisible Jesus. Did you recognise that Jesus is invisible? When did you last see him? But the invisible Jesus wants to be made visible. He wants to be made visible through people like you and me. He said, Jesus said, it's, I'm going home, I'll be back soon, but it's good for you that I'm going because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he is going to help you live for me and be like me and do the things that I have been doing so that more of us can be carrying on the work that I've been doing, says Jesus. So how do we become disciples or apprentices of Jesus and not merely someone who attends a church or a gathering or a meeting and goes somewhere? It's, it's got to be a change of mindset, a change of thought, a change of attitude, and it's all got to be about Jesus. Not a club that we belong to, but Jesus Christ as Lord and King of my life. And uh, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, encourages us with this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Go, go back to the first one, please, Nita. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us not grow weary or give up on following Jesus. Jesus, I've got my eyes fixed on you. I'm running this race that's marked out. Um, and go on, please. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful people so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us be those that think about Jesus, talk 
about Jesus to one another, that we are caught up and consumed with Jesus. There are so many other things that captivate our attention, that take up our time. Even in busy lives, we can get caught up in all sorts of really important things that aren't that important, really, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I want us to think about Jesus Meditate, meditate, fill our minds with Jesus. Think about him, consider him. Spend time in prayer, engage with him. Every day, every moment of every day, it's a life we live, not a club we attend once or twice a week. Jesus. So that when we're meeting with him, thinking about him, seeing him in one another, we can be changed, we can be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. We don't just believe in Jesus, but we become like Jesus. We are transformed. When Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 1, he says this, As dearly loved children walk or live in the way of love. Live in the way of love, just as Jesus Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's this thing, he's saying, follow God's example as loved, dearly loved children and live in the way of love. So look at God. Who, how can we see God so clearly? In the life of Jesus. If we look at the life of Jesus and we follow Jesus, we look at his example, we do what he's doing and say what he's saying, get involved with the Spirit of God, then we will change. We will be imitating our Father. We'll be imitating Jesus. We'll be doing what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. You know, Jesus said in John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm the way, sorry if I gave you the wrong verse, Nita. I'm the way, the truth and the life. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life. But he wants us to follow his example so that in a, in a way we can be the way and the truth and the life that if people look at us, they see Jesus in us and through us. In the Sermon on the Mount, something that we looked at a while ago, Matthew's chapters 5, 6 and 7, in, in, at the end of chapter 5, um, Jesus makes this statement, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. Really? What? Without any flaws, on any occasion, at any time, getting nothing wrong, doing everything perfect? Really? Can we do that? Are we able to do that? Well, this verse is like is a sum-up verse for the Sermon on the Mount. And it clearly uh, speaks of and resonates of what was written in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the book of Leviticus, um, 
God says, the Lord your God is holy. God is holy. And in 1 Peter, it says, God says, be holy because I am holy. So holy, set apart, be different. Be completely different to this world and be like God. Be like Jesus. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Sorry, different version there. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we've got to get ourselves in tune with the living God rather than in tune with this world. We pick up the radio signals, as it were, of this world and it shapes and forms us. But we were made to live in vital union and walk with, live with the living God. And so live out a life that is different. So I want us to look at Jesus. And some people are, but I've been looking at Jesus for a long time. Well, let's look again at Jesus. Let's think again about Jesus. Let's meditate on Jesus. Let's pray and engage and and recognise, is there anything that needs changing in me? Am I like Jesus? Even though I think I've been thinking about him and studying him whole my life, am am I doing well? Am I doing good? And I don't mean this as a a heavy weight, but I don't know. Are you ever thinking, I'm a bit disappointed with myself? I might have thought I'd been doing a bit better now. Uh, I've been trying to follow him for quite a long time now, and I still, I don't feel, I'm not not like him. I want to be like him, but there are still so many things that need to be sorted out in me. And so... That word perfect, be perfect, like our Heavenly Father is perfect, let's change it from that sense of without any fault or um, doing everything perfect all the time. But think of it like this, to be rounded, to be whole, to be complete, to be mature, just like Jesus. You see, Jesus is mature. He's grown up man of God. And he wants us to grow up and be the men and women of God that he's made us to be. The the goal of our life is to become who we already are in Christ. The blessings that Christ has given to us. Read Ephesians chapter 1. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He's given us everything we need, the DNA of God within us, so that we can be like him. But we need to crucify the old self, don't we? So following Jesus is no mere intellectual exercise. Oh, I believe in Jesus. It requires a whole of our life transformation because we're called to mirror uh, God. We're, We're called to show out the character of God, not just to do or say the right things like, push a button and it, and it comes out. But express and carry the heart of God, just like Jesus did. 
You know, we can call ourselves Christians. It's quite a popular name, I understand, for someone who believes in Jesus. And we'll even say to someone about someone, are they a Christian too? And people go, well, I don't know. But if we say, am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I an apprentice of Jesus? Am I searching hard after Jesus, looking at him, comparing his life with my life constantly, weighing it up, seeing where I need to change, adapt, grow, become, work on. See how active and involved that is rather than just going, I'm a Christian, I go to a club once a week. It's completely different. It's not even the same league. It's just different. Now, So apprentices are learners who do. Learners that do. That we are learners and doers. We don't merely hear the words, but we do what it says. So there's a whole part of our lives that needs to be transformed in our actions, in our behaviours. Not a legal doing, but a mind and heart transformation that life flows out of us just like it did with Jesus. Now, following Jesus, following Jesus, that's what I want us to be thinking about with following Jesus. So Jesus is my teacher. Like Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. We walked the earth. He was a Jewish rabbi and he taught people and he called people to come and follow him. And he had his yoke, his teaching, his set of beliefs and ways, his interpretations. And he said to people, so when he was walking on the earth, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, says Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me, and they did. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Come follow me. Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, Matthew 9 verse 9. As Jesus, it says, went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. The invisible Jesus, who we cannot see with natural eyes, is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus is still calling people to follow him. He's still coming up to people and saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And then it's up to us if we are going to leave what we're doing and follow him. And what we're doing might be really super important. But it might not be what he wants us to be doing. And he says, follow me. Am I ready to leave what I'm doing to really follow him? By faith, supernatural living, following the invisible Jesus, who is alive and real, whom we can know, who we can experience in our lives, but we just can't see him with natural eyes. We need supernatural eyes. Jesus says, come follow me. Believe in me and trust me. Follow me and become like me. He believes in us. 
if he calls us to follow him, to become like him. A rabbi would only call a disciple to follow him if he thought they had it in them to do it. If Jesus is calling you to follow him, he believes that you've got it in you to do it. And the bit that gets in you to do it is a gift. Walk by faith and not by sight. So what will help us to be disciples of Jesus is for us to really soak ourselves in the four Gospels, the four, what we call Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The four accounts of the life of Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection. It is good news. That's what the term gospel means. It is good news of Jesus' life. Good news of his death, good news of his resurrection. Good news that Jesus is the Christ or Messiah, that word that means anointed one. When we look at the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, the kings were anointed, weren't they? They were anointed to be kings. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's, he's the anointed king. He's the anointed servant. He's the anointed healer. He's the anointed saviour. He's the anointed rescuer. He's the anointed deliverer to set people free from the power of sin and death and hell, giving us a sure and certain hope of a future with him in heaven, a home forever. He is our security. So let us be those that read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Let's read them. Let's mark them. Let's write notes on our Bibles. Let's get the pages out. Let's print it off. Let's highlight bits. Let's memorise bits. Let's meditate on bits. Let's let it work it into us. Let's pray it. And please, God, let's do it. We can have so much information, but we don't act on it. I remember in that, in that book, Francis Chan book, um, uh, Letters to the Church, he says, imagine this. Imagine, a bit like Jesus. Jesus left us some instructions and he went out. He went home. And imagine that, that um, uh, not that I would know anyone who's got daughters who have got a messy bedroom or anything like that. But imagine that, that you know, dad says, right, here you go, clean up your room. I'm going out. When I come back, clean up your room. And then when the dad gets home, he finds the room is as messy as it was when he left it. And he says, well, I, I asked you to do one thing, clear up your room. He says, don't worry, dad, clear up your room. I heard you, clear up your room. I've even written a song about it. Oh, clear up your room, clear up your room. And I was so excited about what you said to me that I got all my friends round and they sang it with me and we've been talking about it for ages about cleaning up my room. Do you see the irony of what us Christians do when we don't do the stuff of Jesus? might be that you can't read or you find reading difficult or you can't get to sleep at night. Well, look, you can listen to the Bible. There's a, um, 
You can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. You can even listen to David Suchet read the Gospels to you to send you off for a nice sleep. You know, there are, there are other Bible readers that you can listen to as well, and other versions. But if you haven't got YouVersion on your, on, your, on your, what's the best word, device, well, why not? I would encourage you to get a paper Bible and read and write, but we have got devices. Let's use them, but it's like getting it into us so it can get out of us. Out of us. It's not about being comfortable, nice people. It's about living for Jesus. It's about living for Jesus, doing the things that Jesus do. So if our aim is to be a disciple of Jesus, not a church guy, a disciple of Jesus, then let us simply follow Jesus and do what he says. So we've got the pages, we've got the history, and then we've got a personal um, daily walk with him, a relationship with God through faith, with Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit, that we can do the things he's asking us to do today in our workplaces, in our schools, on the buses, on the trains, on the streets. Wherever we are, we're engaging with him, we're living for him, we're we're in that zone, and so we can do the stuff. Let's be honest, it is easy to talk about following Jesus. I've been talking about following Jesus for a long time. That's easy. Living it, That's the challenge. Living it is the hard work. Let's be honest about it. My flesh cries out. My flesh doesn't want to do the things that he sometimes asks me to do. I can't be bothered. I'm apathetic. I procrastinate. I know it's going to cost me. I know it's going to get my hands dirty. I know it's going to affect my family life. I know it's going to affect my plans, my decisions, what I want, what I'm doing with my life, with my hobbies, with my interests. But Jesus is calling us to a different place, a place of self-sacrifice, to die to self, to die to my old self and live for Christ. And we know it, and I've heard it, and I've said it, and I've memorised it, and I've repeated it. But there are times when I just think, no, I want to live longer. I don't want to die to myself, because there's a cost involved. There is a cost involved to really following Jesus. But there is a cost involved to not really following Jesus. There is a cost. There will be a day of judgment. Jesus will ask us, and we don't, we don't like looking at that, chapter in Matthew that says, where were you when I was in prison? Where were you when I was cold and hungry? Where were you when I... Where were you? Oh, it was great when you saw... When did we see you, Lord? And when did... Well, what if you did to the least of these, you did for me. You know, we can have a nice, compartmentalised, church-going, churchianity that is all about me and what I want and what pleases me. Jesus, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, it's the good news of the king. What do kings do? They rule and reign. Where does our king Jesus want to rule and reign? In my heart. And then what does he want to do with my heart? He wants to live through me in powerful ways. But it's going to cost me to die to me so that I can live for him. 
we need to wake up. We need to be alert. We need to really think, Jesus, what are you doing? Am I really in the right place at the right time doing the right thing? Or am I just living a hollow, empty existence that I tack you on the side and you make me feel comfortable and you give me assurance that I've got somewhere to go when I die so I don't feel so bad about that? I've got my ticket to heaven. Am I living for him now? And so, we cannot do it on our own. We need Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with Holy Spirit, full of Holy Spirit. So excited about the picture that Anthony brought today about you know, the, 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 um, the sail and the blowing and uh, the leaves dropping off, a new season. We need the Holy Spirit if we're really going to live for God in the power uh, of Jesus. Jesus was a man full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to live like Jesus, we need to remain in him. John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If anyone remains in me... um, You can bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. It might be worldly fruitful. It might look successful. It might look glittery and and galaxy. You might have 10,000 people coming to your church meeting. And is Jesus going to say, so what? Is he going to clap his hand and go, oh, well done. You've managed to bus in millions of people. I'm not knocking that. Because if there's a church of 10,000 people, devoted followers of Jesus, well then, wow. But if we're going to have a bunch of people going somewhere because they've got good music or a good sound system or the, the person at the front has got a pristine shirt and tie on or whatever it is, whatever we get attracted to, we, we've got to be attracted to Jesus. And then Jesus can lead us and we can follow him. So, um, you know, Jesus has got to be our motivation. For Paul says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, there is a hope, there is a future. It is great, but if I'm going to carry on living life in this body, I'm going to live for Jesus, says Paul. Challenging stuff. Jesus is our motivation for true living. Jesus is our hope. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble. In me, peace. In the world, trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're going to live in a... like. A lot of our brothers and sisters live in a mess now. They live in trouble now. So many Christians are being persecuted for their faith and they stand true and they might die. They might get killed because of Jesus. They might suffer persecution, loss because of Jesus. But they don't wimp out on Jesus. They persevere in Jesus because they're looking at Jesus and following Jesus. They haven't got a club mentality and a churchianity. They've got Jesus. And if we haven't got Jesus, when the pressure comes, what are we going to do? What are we going to be like? You know, when trouble, hardship comes, I often say to myself, 
I don't know why I bother. I don't know why I bother. I'm going to, it's time to give up. It's in those moments when we go, I don't know why I bother. We've got to remind ourselves why we bother. It's Jesus. He died for me. He's bought my life. I am no longer my own. I am his. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to him. And there's something brilliant and joyous and awesome about following Jesus, even though it's through tough, difficult times because I've got him. Because it's him that I've got. He is my reward. He is my, my prize. He is my crown and my anchor. He's my everything. So why do I collapse into, oh, the world, I need this, when all I need is Jesus? So we need to be, allow ourselves to be challenged by Jesus. So Jesus calls us to follow. And over the next weeks, we, we'll be looking um, at Jesus' life, some examples about the, his life of prayer, about how good and, and holy he was, about his spirit-empowered life, about how his life was centered on the word of God, how he's such a compassionate, loving, caring person, how he fleshed out the good news, incarnational Jesus. So we'll be looking at that. You know, and as we read through the gospel accounts, we cannot get away from the fact that Jesus moved in power. Jesus did miracles, all sorts of miracles. And you know, I was listening to someone the other day. There are miracles that go on around this planet that happen, that real miracles take place. And I question what is going on in my own life and in our lives when we don't see, uh, and I don't mean this in a, you know, I don't mean to dismiss certain things that are answers to prayer, <laughs> but like the miracles of God in our lives. Why, why don't we see it? Is the problem with God and should I give up? Or is the problem in me and I need to change and reorientate my life around Jesus more than I currently am. That I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And so, just want to be challenged by that. Anyway, Jesus said this, John 14, verse 12, 13 and 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If we're utterly submitted to the will of Jesus, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, things should happen. So when Jesus walked on the earth, he called people to follow him and he does that today. And he also sent people out to carry on his work and he does that today. So Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 20, we're just going to read through this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure unclean spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, then his brother Andrew, 
James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles, the non-Jews, or the Samaritans. They're not Jews. But rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, not an extra shirt, nor sandals or staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay in their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before the governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the the spirit of your father speaking through you. There's loads in there to unpack. I'm not doing it now. I am coming to an end. Jesus promised them power, he promised them provision, and he promised them problems. And they had the power, and they had the provision, and they had the problems. Jesus is doing the same in us today. He calls us to follow, and then he wants to send us out. Jesus wants us to carry on the work that he started. We might be in a different time. We might be in a different country. We might be in a different culture. So what does it look like now for us to follow Jesus and do the works of Jesus? We've got to work that out in our, in our time and in our season, in our interaction with the world that we live in. But Jesus does call us to follow him today. And he does call us to learn from him. And he does call us to be like him and do the works he's called us to do. So may we be those that are open and honest with ourselves, open and honest with Jesus. Lord Jesus, by your spirit, blow into my sails, lead me, guide me, steer me, direct me. Have your way in me. Like if you're a sail, you are not in control. The wind is in control. God, I don't want to be in control. I have the false illusion that I am in any way in control. Have your way in me. We can resist the spirit or we can lean into the spirit and go with the spirit. It's up to us. And so as we read through the Gospels, I want to encourage you to read them. 
yes, on your own, but reading the Gospels on our own is quite a modern thing. Like, people often read, or historically, the Bible together. They might have only had one copy or part of a copy. So they gather together to listen, to read, to talk, to pray, to understand. So if you're not part of a small group, if, you're not, if you haven't got a running partner, if you're not walking with someone and journeying with someone, please do it. If you want to be involved in a small group, come and speak to me. Like, let us get together. Let us read the word together. Let us walk with Jesus together. As we look at Jesus' life afresh, as we think about Jesus afresh and think, how does it impact and affect my life today, this day, and tomorrow? And so, I just want to encourage us to be those that do that. So, Lord, help each one of us make choices and decisions. Help us, Lord, to respond well to you. Help us to discern your leading and your guiding. And as we read the accounts, evolve us in this, and how wonderful you are, and wonder about how you involve us in this and what you're going to do. Lord, just... I pray for a freshness. May this be a new season of a new freshness, of new eyes seeing, of new ears hearing, of a new heart response to you, Lord Jesus. Save us from ourselves, Lord. In a sense, save us from what we already think we know and help us come to you afresh, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.